This is The Guardian. Hey, Jane Lee here. When ChatGPT was launched a year ago, the company behind it, OpenAI, became one of the most talked about tech companies in the world. And its CEO, Sam Altman, became the public face for artificial intelligence, a technology that was both fascinating and terrifying. Recently, apparently without warning, Altman was suddenly sacked by the company's board. Then, just a few days later, he was back in the role again. In this episode from our global news podcast, Today in Focus, host Hannah Moore takes us through what happened and what it could mean for the future of the AI industry. Sam Altman is seen as the acceptable face of AI. This startup wonder kid who's travelled the world charming its leaders from Rishi Sunak to Yoon Sung Yol. He reassures them that though this emerging technology might seem frightening and unpredictable, in the right hands, at least in the hands of his company, OpenAI, it can be a force for good. He is one of the most important figures in that industry, in that hugely influential technologies development. And he was flying high. It seemed like nothing could touch him and he was doing an amazing job. Until, it seems, he wasn't. This morning, an open revolt inside OpenAI. Development rocking the tech world, the unexpected firing of OpenAI CEO Sam Altman. Sam Altman is out as CEO of OpenAI. This is an earthquake. Just, holy, I can't say this on air, Sam Altman got fired from OpenAI. This is Blake Montgomery, The Guardian US's technology editor. When he heard the news last weekend that OpenAI had sacked Altman, he was as shocked as anyone in Silicon Valley. Well, everyone was asking why he got fired, and no one got a good answer. It was just the OpenAI's board saying he had not been, quote, consistently candid in his communications, which we thought meant that he had lied in a really substantive way. And then three days later, he was back as CEO of OpenAI. The most valuable AI startup in the world, worth more than $80 billion, had sacked arguably its biggest asset, replaced him, then replaced her and then rehired Altman, all within five days. Well, we have the latest in the Shakespearean drama gripping artificial intelligence. Sam Altman is back as CEO of OpenAI. Breaking news overnight, a stunning new twist in the power struggle over the future of the company behind ChatGPT. Sam Altman is returning as CEO of OpenAI nearly a week after he was fired. It's the juiciest Silicon Valley story in a long time. It also signals that AI is controlled by a very small and very secretive group of people. I mean, it's called open AI, but it's not that open. From The Guardian, I'm Hannah Moore. Today in Focus, what an office saga tells us about who's in charge of the future of artificial intelligence. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. 
Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The EY Tech Connect podcast brings you candid conversations about the most pressing priorities facing tech, media and entertainment, and telecommunications companies, and provide strategic insights on the key issues that matter to them, including topics such as the top 10 opportunities in tech, the next generation of gaming, the future of connectivity and content, and the latest talent strategies. The EY Tech Connect podcast is out now. Download today from wherever you get your podcasts. Like, Sam Altman is the superstar of the AI world. And we've talked about him on this podcast before as being the father of chat GPT, which loads of people will have tried out. Tell me about his story. How did he get to this point? He has a, a history that is really entwined with that of Silicon Valley, in 2005, at 19, he founds a company with his boyfriend, and the company's not a huge success, but it gets acquired for $40 million, and then he becomes a partner at this really influential startup accelerator called Y Combinator, and operates there for many years. Hi, everyone. My name is Sam Altman, and this is How to Build the Future. Y Combinator has funded 1,500 startups and they're worth more than $70 billion in total. More than 10 of them are worth a billion dollars or more. Those years as the head of the central place where startups go to get investors, to get mentorship, to work with a lot of talent, he has a Rolodex that is just as long as the Bible. When you read articles about him, he's always characterized as this sort of child tech prodigy like he was always destined for this sort of success so he's often compared to steve jobs in the end this firing sort of adds to that mythology and he got a macintosh when he was eight and he also is said to have fixed the family vcr when he was three how much of that is the myth making of a silicon valley boy genius and figurehead and is apocryphal and mostly true Who's to say, but he is very good at telling his own story and entwining it with technology. Yeah, very good point. I mean, I'm not really sure how a three-year-old would fix a VCR. <laughs> Completely. <laughs> Can I imagine it? Do I enjoy imagining it? Of course. So he leaves Y Combinator with, as you say, this huge Rolodex of very important contacts in Silicon Valley. In 2015, he founds OpenAI with a few partners. What did they set out to achieve? He founds OpenAI with Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, with collaboration of Amazon. And we also have a scientist named Ilya Sutskever who becomes quite important in the current drama. The stated goal of OpenAI is to make artificial intelligence that is, quote, beneficial for humanity. And that comes into play in a huge way in what we're about to talk about with this firing. It's founded initially as a nonprofit, as this thing that will build AI for the good of the human race. And that's its initial purpose. So set up as a 
nonprofit to sort of imagine what the future could be helped by technology. Exactly. And the idea is that it will build eventually what's called artificial general intelligence. So ChatGPT can answer your questions and write some stuff. And Dolly, which is another one of OpenAI's products, can generate images based on your text prompt. But artificial general intelligence is intended to do any intellectual task that a human could do. AGI is basically the equivalent of a median human that you could like, you know, hire as a coworker. And then they, they could like say, do anything that you'd be happy with a remote coworker doing, like just behind a computer. Um, which includes like, you know, learning how to go be a doctor, learning how to go be a very competent coder. Like there's a lot of stuff that a median human is capable of getting good at. And I think one of the skills of an AGI is not any particular milestone, but the, the meta skill of learning to figure things out and that it can go decide to get good at whatever you need. How successful has the company become then? It's become wildly successful. Um, ChatGPT, by some accounts, is the most successful consumer-facing tech product in history. Uh, it achieved 100 million users in just a matter of months. And by contrast, Netflix reached a million subscribers in a matter of years. It has gotten billions and billions of dollars from Microsoft. Microsoft has a deeply entwined partnership with OpenAI and is integrating that company's AI into a lot of its extremely widely used products. It's quite incredible then that in eight years since it was founded, this company has become so successful and and it feels like in the past year especially that success has just been accelerated. How intrinsic to it is Altman? He's essential to the company and has been at its head throughout its lifespan and has helmed its recent explosion I would say pretty adeptly. Um, he testified before the U.S. Congress. And in contrast to Mark Zuckerberg's series of combative hearings with the U.S. Congress that sort of made him look like a robotic villain, Altman looked quite persuasive, was conversational, and it definitely seems like will be at the ear of a lot of U.S. lawmakers when they write AI regulation. My worst fears are that we cause significant we, the field, the technology, the industry, cause significant harm to the world. Uh, I think that could happen in a lot of different ways. It's why we started the company. I think if this technology goes wrong, it can go quite wrong. Uh, and we want to be vocal about that. We want to work with the government to prevent that from happening. And Altman has become sort of a diplomat for AI. He kind of is a representative of that technology to the entire world. So he's not only technically adept and can manage this hugely successful company that's getting billions of dollars from Microsoft, he also seems to be able to speak to diplomats and understand their regulatory concerns and probably mitigate them in his company's favor. And that is essential, really, isn't it? Because there is so much fear around what he's creating. Yeah, he is good at creating that fear, which I think is a way of agglomerating power. He talks about how AI will take over the world and could destroy humanity, which is a concern. Is it the concern? I wouldn't say so. Like, if people think that you're holding the next nuclear bomb, they will treat you with a lot of fear and deference. And Altman is very good at projecting 
these concerns into the future while also slyly diverting attention away from AI's current problems like all of the copyright lawsuits that OpenAI is facing. Altman's the head of a company that could really change the world with its technology. And as we said, he set it up with seemingly altruistic aims as a non-profit. But over time, its structure has changed and become more complicated. Can you just explain that for me? Sure. In 2019, the company introduces this for-profit subsidiary. So the nonprofit is run by a board of directors who have no financial stake in either the nonprofit or this new for-profit subsidiary. The for-profit subsidiary is run by Altman, and that's the company that can go out and get a $10 billion investment from Microsoft and then ultimately $13 billion from that company as it forges an intricate partnership. It's a for-profit company that really accelerates the growth and is releasing the products. Because essentially, it takes a hell of a lot of money to develop these products. They need a lot of investment. That's exactly right. You need a lot of engineers. You need a lot of data. You just need a lot of stuff that a fledgling nonprofit can't really do. Last Friday, the board of OpenAI surprised everyone, it seems, by sacking Altman. How did they actually handle that? In an extremely abrupt way. I mean, the tech world found out as this blog post published on the company's site, it said that Altman had not been consistently candid in his communications, which is a really shocking thing for a corporate board to say, uh, or a nonprofit board to say, it hints at severe misconduct, the details of which were have not been disclosed. Microsoft, OpenAI's biggest investor, reportedly found out one minute before the blog post published. And so it was handled in complete secrecy. Altman reportedly got a Google Meet invite for sometime around noon San Francisco time, didn't really know what it was about, and then got read a script by his board members. So it didn't seem like it was coming. I mean, earlier in the week, he had been speaking to diplomats at the APEC conference in San Francisco, to Xi Jinping, the president of China, and President Joe Biden of the U.S. It seemed like he was doing his high-flying CEO act successfully up until the day he was fired. One of the people who broke this news to him, the person who reportedly sent him that Google Meet that was going to seal his fate, at least for a few days, was Ilya Sutskever, who, as we said, co-founded OpenAI with Altman. Why would he, one of the co-founders, want to sack him? What we see emerging out of this firing is the narrative of... OpenAI is becoming too commercial, and the people who are involved in its nonprofit board are saying that the company's straying too far from its mission, that it's not aligned with the goal of artificial general intelligence for the benefit of humanity. So, two weeks earlier, 
OpenAI had had a developer day, which is something that a lot of tech companies do. And OpenAI had debuted a lot of different things that developers can use, especially the customization bots. And internally, it's been reported uh, that was seen as this kind of like flashpoint between the factions of we need to be slow and responsible with AI development and the sort of more capitalist, let's get products out there. Um, what's called the accelerationist school of thought. And those people have a bit of the same ethos of AI will be good for humanity, therefore let's get it out as soon as possible. Whereas the altruists, the other school of thought, believe in let's do it slowly, responsibly, uh, make sure we're safe all the way. So the developer day is seen as a flashpoint between those two schools with Sutskever perhaps leading the charge of Altman is taking this company in a direction that is not what it was founded to be. So Altman was seen by some people in the company, possibly including Ilya Sutskever, as trying to move too quickly with this technology, maybe being irresponsible. There have been reports this week, the OpenAI had been working on this new AI model called QSTAR, which would apparently be so advanced that staff were worried about what it might do. And some researchers allegedly wrote to the board to warn them about that. You know, reportedly it could solve basic maths problems, which, you know, might not sound like a big deal, but would be a significant advancement. But this is just one of the many theories of what might have happened behind the scenes at OpenAI that, that led to this sacking. What we do know is that after Altman was sacked, new leadership was brought in. Over the weekend, you had this sort of hokey-cokey of CEOs. First, Mira Marathi, who had been the chief technology officer of OpenAI, then she stepped back before the weekend was through. And then on Monday, the board announced it had hired Emmett Shear as interim CEO. Why do you think the board chose him? So Emmett Shear is the one-time CEO of Twitch, the video game streaming service now owned by Amazon. So he has experience running a tech company for many years. He also in the past has said that he was interested in slowing down the development of AI and doing it more responsibly. So he, it seems at the time anyway, aligns with the board's goals of developing OpenAI's products more responsibly. So while all this was going on, OpenAI's staff were getting together to try and get Altman to come back. By Monday, 95% of them and they've got more than 700 staff, had signed an open letter saying that they'd resign if Altman and Greg Brockman, who's another of the co-founders who'd resigned in solidarity with him, weren't rehired. They also demanded that the board be switched over. It was quite surprising reading that letter to see who'd signed it. <laughs> it really was, because... At the top of that list were former interim CEO Mira Moradi and OpenAI chief scientist Ilya Setskever, which up until that point 
we all believed, at least on the outside, that Setzgever had been the architect of Altman's departure. And he must have been involved. Setzgever is on the board. He's one of uh, four board members who are not named Sam Altman or Greg Brockman. And on Monday, he signed that letter and said he would go to Microsoft with Sam Altman. And he also tweeted, I deeply regret my involvement in the board's actions, expressing this public contrition for an act that he was behind and that he had voted for and perhaps even constructed. Up until then, we had seen a kind of cogent narrative emerge. And then when Seskever tweeted that, it was they just threw everything out the window that we thought we knew. And we said, well, okay, what is the truth? Okay, what a mess. So the board is having to deal with potentially losing 95% of its staff, which just shows you how popular Sam Altman is in this company. What also comes through is the importance of Microsoft in this story. You know, one of the biggest backers of OpenAI, $13 billion put into the company, And as you say, they were blindsided by this decision to sack Altman. So they were pushing over the weekend to try and get some answers and try and get him reinstated as well. So on on Sunday, Microsoft makes an offer publicly and says, we have hired Sam Altman. And it's clear that CEO Satya Nadella is involved in these negotiations And then on Monday, Nadella goes on an interview circuit and sort of throws that into question. We really want to partner with OpenAI and we want to partner with Sam. And so irrespective of where Sam is, he's working with Microsoft. And that is the case on Friday and that'll be, that's the case today. And we I absolutely believe that'll be the case tomorrow. He says at one point, um, there's no OpenAI without Microsoft, which does seem like quite a veiled threat to me. And clearly stating we are the money behind this operation. And so he's he's throwing his weight around and saying, whatever happens, like, I will win. And I think that does sort of cow the board into saying, okay, we need to come back to the table and renegotiate what's going on. Mm. And then Sam Altman on Sunday tweeted this photo of himself in open AI headquarters with a guest pass um, <laughs> saying something like this is the first and last time I'll be using one of these. So what what actually happened on Sunday? I will never quite know, I think, all the details, but Altman goes back to open AI headquarters and engages in these negotiations, which it seemed at the time that they would come to a resolution. But then on Monday, OpenAI was still run by Emmett Shear, and it seemed like Altman would, in fact, be going to Microsoft. So it was really looking like that was a done deal at the start of this week. Then I couldn't believe it when I woke up on Wednesday morning and heard that Altman had been rehired. You report on Silicon Valley all the time. What's the reaction been in Silicon Valley and and more broadly? I would say the reaction has been a positive one. It emerged over the course of these past five days that Altman really had much more favor 
and a lot more backing than the sort of unknown members of OpenAI's board. And so he got reinstated and there was this sort of jubilation. But within the company as well, it was uh, OpenAI staff members returned to their offices around, I don't know, 9 p.m. San Francisco time and had a big party, so much so that a smoke alarm went off. Uh, And then the party raged on. Wow, they really love this company, don't they? Come, I know. To come back at 9 p.m. I, Sam Altman also seems to really love this company. I mean, throughout the week, he had been tweeting, I loved this company, I loved working there. There was this lack of acrimony that was a little surprising for such a shocking firing. Um, and even he tweeted a bunch of heart emojis at Ilya Sutskever, the supposed architect of his ouster, after Sutskever said, I deeply regret what happened. There have been all these rumours and reports, but we still don't know. The company hasn't confirmed why it sacked Altman in the first place. What's changed at the company that's made him agree to come back? Altman and Greg Brockman are no longer on the board of the company. They did make a couple concessions. There will be an investigation kind of into his leadership and into the circumstances that led to his firing. The board is also going to be reconstituted, and there's only one holdover, is CEO of uh, the question and answer website Quora. So the leadership structure, at least of the nonprofit entity that governs OpenAI as a whole, has been completely reconstituted. Coming up, which will win out, OpenAI's ethical aims or its commercial interests? If you knew the world was heading for a crisis, what would you do? I'm feeling a sense of failure. And what if you were the scientist who saw it coming? 40 years of trying to get the science in place to solve the problem. Weight of the World, a new three-part series from Guardian Australia about three scientists who first predicted the climate crisis. Listen now by going to the full story feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your favourite podcast player. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music. For all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Blake, Microsoft's influence at OpenAI has been increasing. Now that the board's being overhauled, does it seem likely that they'll have a spot on it? It's hard to imagine not after this insane kind of turmoil at one of its most important strategic partners and the requirement of like the involvement of its most powerful player, Satya Nadella. These two are now pretty dependent on one another. Microsoft 
is seen as one of the cutting edge players in AI, largely through its partnership with OpenAI, and it wants to maintain that edge. So it's pretty tough to imagine Microsoft not attempting to exert more influence than it has had. I think Microsoft will try to push the company towards shipping more products. So I do think we're going to see OpenAI's influence across Microsoft and likewise Microsoft's influence on OpenAI. If that is the case, it does seem like the altruists lost this battle. It does seem like the accelerationists, the people who are saying, let's put more AI out there, whether for the benefit of humanity or for their own commercial gain and power. It seems like they won. It's astounding that this kind of all happened so quickly and in a way that <laughs> you're seems telling to, me. <laughs> yeah, that seems to, as you're saying, genuinely surprise people across the tech world, considering how important AI is and how fearful some people feel about it. Is it worrying that this company that's central to developing this technology is seemingly so unstable in the way that it's operating and being tight-lipped still about what happened? AI in its most cutting-edge development, as, as we're talking about, it does give the impression that that is controlled by a very small, very secretive group of people that don't operate under any sort of democratic control other than <laughs> like barely understood corporate governance. And so AI safety experts that I've been talking to are saying it doesn't so much give credence to the idea of a transparent AI company is called OpenAI, and that's not that's not so much the case. Presumably, government officials were watching what was going on this weekend and said, oh, wow, we probably don't have as much influence over the development and deployment of this technology as we would have liked to think. I mean, Altman has been on this world tour and... That really gives the impression that he's trying to maintain things openly. and But when it comes down to it, this is controlled by him, Satya Nadella, Google, and a few other people in Silicon Valley. Blake, the reason this is important is because in becoming increasingly commercialized, open AI and the way its technology is used could be more beholden to the markets. And that might conflict with its central aim to be beneficial to humanity. How does it make you feel as a technology reporter to see the way this has unfolded? A little bit nervous. It's tough enough to get details on the petty human dramas that are going on. And so it does seem like it will be extremely difficult if the company releases a product that does some sort of grand harm towards the world, or people have questions about if it exhibits a lot of bias, like um, AI facial recognition algorithms are famously pretty racist. Like they have a lot more trouble identifying darker skinned people than lighter skinned people. And 
if something like that gets introduced into an open AI product or noticed in an open AI product, it's hard to imagine getting a full accounting of the decisions that went into something like that, given how secretive the company has been with regards to its like human dramas. Blake, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. That was Hannah Moore speaking with The Guardian US's technology editor, Blake Montgomery. This episode was produced by Natalie Katena and Courtney Youssef. Sound designed by Solomon King. The executive producer was Huma Halili. Additional production by Daniel Simo. I'm Jane Lee, and we'll be back with a regular episode of Full Story for you tomorrow. Catch you then. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The EY Tech Connect podcast brings you candid conversations about the most pressing priorities facing tech, media and entertainment, and telecommunications companies, and provides strategic insights on the key issues that matter to them, including topics such as the top 10 opportunities in tech, the next generation of gaming, the future of connectivity and content, and the latest talent strategies. The EY Tech Connect podcast is out now. Download today from wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>